everyone, and welcome to episode 18 of the Luna's Galaxy Podcast. My name is Emmy, but you can also call me Luna, and I'll be the host of this show. Luna's Galaxy Podcast goes live on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcast services on Tuesday every two weeks. For this episode, we have four segments, gaming news, what I've been playing, questions, and this episode's topic of the show, which is what Kingdom Hearts means to me. And so this episode is all about Kingdom Hearts. I mean, we are going to be going over some brief gaming news and what I've been playing, but um, hopefully the main bit of this episode will be all about Kingdom Hearts for hashtag KH20. Um, This is an online event for the KH20 events that are going on um, all throughout this month. So the Kingdom Hearts community has come together. There's going to be an in-person event if you would like to go there. Um, I believe it is in Austin, Texas. I probably should have checked this out before I started recording, (laughs) but I believe that's where it is. Um, and there's a lot of online events too, so if you're listening on the day that this comes out, I know that the Spigetti Bros are also doing a a special stream for this, so shout out to them. We love them. Also, the Anson Report podcast, fantastic. Um, but anyway, our events are today (laughs) on Tuesday, March 15th. But be sure to follow KH20 on Twitter because there's a lot of other online events going on throughout the month. And you might also see me on there every now and then in some videos, maybe question mark. Um, (laughs) So yeah, it's really fun. If you aren't already, be sure to follow KH20. And maybe some of you are listening to the podcast for the first time because you found me through KH20. At least I I hope so. (laughs) Maybe there's a few new people here. Um. So hello, if you don't know me, like I said, my name is Emmy. Um, I go by Emmy Luna Games. I'm a Twitch streamer. Um, I do this podcast every two weeks. I really like Kingdom Hearts. That's, yeah. Um, but I do like a lot of other games as well, as I'm sure you're going to quickly find out. But thank you for listening. Thank you for taking a chance on this podcast. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I hope you enjoy the rest of what Cage 20 has to offer. In this amazing, amazing game series that we are all here to celebrate. Or if you're a usual Luna's Galaxy listener, maybe you don't even like Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I don't know if all of you like Kingdom Hearts, but it's fine. Um, we are still going to go over gaming news and what I've been playing, but the, the second half of the show is very Kingdom Hearts-centric. Um, which is weird, because oddly enough, even though Kingdom Hearts is like probably one of my favorite game series, I haven't, I don't, I find I don't talk about it much on the podcast, at least not... I've ha- I haven't had a topic of the show about Kingdom Hearts yet, which is kind of weird. We're on episode 18, and I haven't talked about one of my favorite game series, but we're talking all about it today. So, um, before we get started, if you'd like to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that would be fantastic. You can also um, rate the podcast on Spotify. Also, if you're listening on YouTube, please be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Oh, man, I sound like a YouTuber, <laughs> but it really means a lot, and it really helps me out. But yeah... Uh, let's get into the gaming news. (laughs) So, the first news that we have, the first bit of news, is that the Final Fantasy VII Remake Traces of Two Pasts book is going to be releasing, um, November 2022. So this already came out in Japan, um, I want to say a few months ago now. Um, but yeah, it's getting localized and I'm very excited. I have read a lot of, I mean... Yeah, I think all of the Final Fantasy books. I mean, there's not many of them, but like On the Way to Smile, um, and there's the Turks one. I read both of them. I really liked them. Um, also, if any of you have the Final Fantasy VII remake 
oh god, I don't remember what it's called, but it's a remake book. It's not the Ultimania, but it's a remake book. <laughs> it's a bit smaller. Um, I think it came out not long after remake came out. I'm not doing a good job of describing it, but like it's like a smaller book. Um, and in it, there's also this sort of like short story kind of about Aerith and some original characters that takes place in the Seven Remake universe and not um, the sort of compilation universe. I don't know. But like, I liked that one too. So I'm looking forward to reading this. I don't know much about it, but I like the Final Fantasy VII books. So I'm definitely going to read this when it comes out in November. Very exciting. That is getting localized slash translated, whatever you want to say. Huh. <laughs> The next bit of news is that Forspoken has been delayed to October 11th, 2022. Um, not really a surprise. I feel like, I feel like eventually we're gonna have to have an entire episode dedicated to game delays because <laughs> they are becoming a lot more common. But yeah, Forspoken, October 11th. It was supposed to be coming out in May, I believe. And so it's just pushed back a few months, which, you know, whatever. Also, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe toys are gonna be at McDonald's. <laughs> This, you might not consider this news. I consider it news. I'm, I, like, I never eat McDonald's. I don't really like McDonald's. I don't fuck with McDonald's. However, <laughs> um, I might need to get a Happy Meal. I might need to get a Happy Meal or at least, you know, ask, like, the cashier at McDonald's. Like, hey, can I get one of the Mario Kart toys? Because, like, y'all know I really like Mario Kart. Um, but one of the toys is, like, Toadette. And I really like Toadette. If y'all haven't seen it already, my new profile picture is, like, me as Toadette. It's adorable. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I really want to get the Toadette one because <laughs> I'm like a child apparently. And I already have like a Toad, like Hot Wheels thing. Anyway, I just want the Toadette. So that's exciting for me. I hope I actually end up getting to go and get Toadette though because I'm quite busy. I have to like make time in my schedule to go to McDonald's. But anyway, um, we had a state of play that was um, sort of marketed as being Japan-focused, so right away when that came out, a lot of people that I follow on Twitter were like, yo, 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 Final Fantasy 16, because, like, obviously that's what your mind's gonna go to, um, but, like, even outside of just, like, Final Fantasy 16, even Square Enix, um, it's, I don't really know if we've ever had a state of play where they've specifically been like, this is Japan-focused, this is focused on our Japanese developers and publishers, so, yeah, that was cool, that was very exciting, um, so just going to briefly go over some of the news that was at this state of play. So the first game that we saw was Exo Primal, which is going to be a new Capcom game, and it has dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, it's coming out in 2023. It looks kind of cool. The dinosaurs were what um, got me interested. But yeah, new Capcom game with dinosaurs. Fantastic. Um, we got to see a bit more of Ghostwire and Forspoken. Um, I don't really feel like I need to see any more of those games. At least not Ghostwire, but, I mean, that's probably the last time we're going to see Ghostwire because it's coming out, I want to say, like, maybe the week that this comes out or, anyway. I don't need to see more Ghostwire, and I don't think I will. <laughs> um, there's a Strangers of Paradise demo that was announced, and that kind of, I think it launched on that same, like, right after the State of Play or something. Um, I haven't been able to check it out yet, but I know a lot of people really like Strangers of Paradise and are very excited for Strangers of Paradise. I actually didn't know this. I thought that Strangers of Paradise was a PS5 exclusive, um, but it is uh, cross-gen. It's also on PS4, so maybe I will check it out. But then obviously the other part of me is kind of like, well, I might just wait to get it on PS5, because obviously that's going to be the better experience. But anyway, 
Strangers Paradise demo. Hopefully I get to check it out at some point because the last demo that came out was only on PS5, but this one is on PS4 and PS5. So yeah, if you haven't checked that out yet and that sounds cool, check it out. I hope to get on it. <laughs> and then there was a new game that got announced and this is Trek to Yomi. If I'm saying that right, I think I am. And this is like a new samurai game. It, the entire trailer was in black and white, which was cool. It's not really my thing, but you know, I respect it. <laughs> and this is coming out spring 2022. So pretty, pretty soon. It looks, it looks pretty cool. Um, I don't know if I'll play it, but cool. And then we had two Square Enix announcements uh, at the very ending. So the first one was the Dio Field Chronicle. Definitely a Square Enix name, I will say that. And this is a new strategy RPG by Square Enix. And it looks really cool. And it's coming out this year, which is wild. And it's going to be, it was it was showed off at the State of Play, but this is going to be multi-platform. So um, on other consoles and stuff. And I thought this looked really cool. When it comes to strategy RPGs, I, I only have experience with Fire Emblem so far, but, you know, I do want to play Final Fantasy Tactics. I want to play, like, Triangle Strategy. I want to get more into the genre because I think it's pretty cool. And this one, this one looks cool. <laughs> uh, I'm probably going to check this one out. I like the look of it. I, I don't know if that makes sense because a lot of, you know, the strategy RPGs um, are, like, pixel. <laughs> and, like, that's fine. It's just not really my, my style, uh, even though I know a lot of people love, you know, the pixely look. Um, but, you know, the cutscenes in this look to be not pixel-y. They're, like, I don't want to say normal, but, like, more, like, current-gen stuff. So, yeah, that's exciting. I want to play that. And then the last game that they showed off was Valkyrie? Val Valkyrie? I don't know how to say that word. I, I should Google these things beforehand. <laughs> I don't know how to say that word. Um, Valkyrie? Elysium. Oh god, I'm gonna cringe so hard when I'm editing this later. And you're probably cringing right now. It's fine. Um, but this is also coming out in 2022 and it is a new entry into the Valkyrie series. <laughs> I don't know much about that series, but it looked cool. Um, the main character was a girl, which I thought was super cool, you know, because we don't see that all the time. Um, and there was also another, like, female character towards the end of the trailer who looks like she might be a villain, and she was hot. So, actually, um, when they first started showing the trailer for this game, I thought it was gonna be a near game, just because, like, stylistically, the environments looked that way. Then, like, you know, I saw the characters, and I was like, okay, this doesn't look like near. Um, but yeah, I don't know much about this series, but it looked cool, so maybe I'll have to check it out. And that was, those were the big things for the state of play. Um, there's a few other things thrown in there. There was, like, a new JoJo game. Um, there was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, just some other smaller things. Uh, Gundam was in it. Um, but yeah, those are the big things that I want to talk about. So, we have some more news. <laughs> so, Chaos Head Noah slash Chaos, Chaos Child Double Pack is going to be coming to Nintendo Switch on October 7th, 2022. And I really don't know shit. I don't know shit about, uh, these Chaos games. Um, but I know people that really like them or that want to play them and are excited. And so, from my understanding, I know it's a visual novel, um, but I don't really know much else. I did watch the trailer for it. It looks really cool. It looks like something that I would really like. Um, I don't know, like, it, it's giving Zero Escape, like, Steinsgate vibes. <laughs> so, I think I'll really like it. I'm definitely going to pick this up. Maybe not at launch. I don't know. But, um, it seems like something that I'm going to enjoy and I... I don't know if this is the first time that these games are getting localized, but they're definitely becoming, this is the most accessible way to play them, is going to be the most accessible way to play them. 
um, because I know a lot of people have been asking this for a while and didn't think it was going to happen. So yeah, this is pretty cool um, if you were into visual novels like myself. Speaking of visual novels, I mean, is I, the Somnium Files really a visual novel? That's kind of up for debate. But anyway, <laughs> um, we got some Nirvana Initiative stuff in Famitsu. So there's a lot of I, the Somnium Files uh, Nirvana Initiative stuff in Famitsu. There was some screenshots. There was an interview with Uchikoshi. I won't go over um, all the details of that. Um, however, um, there was a really great article done by Noisy Pixel, if you want to check that out. Um, where they translated the interview and went over some stuff as well. Um, it is posted on Operation Bluebird's Facebook page if you are following us there. But anyway, <laughs> so in one of the scans, what was very interesting, what I do want to talk about, is how in one of the screenshots, um, there's like Tama and she is, I don't really know what's going on. It looks like they're doing an investigation or they're an insomnium or something. And there's this QR code in the screenshot in the game and um, people were able to recreate, like, the QR code and find out what it leads to, kind of, if that makes sense. Um, and so the QR code actually leads to an unlisted YouTube video that looks to be an ARG, which is like, ah, we love that, we love that. And so it's called Fray to Free, and if you watched it, you will know that it, it looks like... Um, not the first trailer, but the second trailer that they showed off for I, the Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative, where, um, you know, there was, you know, normal game stuff, but then, like, in between, there was th just this weird shit that, like, I don't even know how to begin describing it. It's, like, that type of video. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's interesting. I don't know what to think about it. I haven't watched it too many times. I'm not gonna try and, like, analyze it or anything, but, it, but it's cool. I mean, they must have done that on purpose, right? They, like, they must have. There's no way that they would, like, accidentally, like, show that one screenshot with the QR code. You know what I mean? So, it's very intentional, but it looks to be another ARG type thing. So, hopefully, hopefully we'll see more of like, that type of stuff, because I think it's cool. Um, one part I do want to mention, though, about the interview with Ojikoshi about Nirvana Initiative is that there's supposed to be 50% more Somniums in Nirvana Initiative than there was in the first game. And I don't know how I feel about this. I did not mind the Somniums in the first game, but I know a lot of people didn't like them. Um, so take that how you will. To me, it it, I feel like it depends on how much they've improved since the first game. But yeah, I I don't mind. I'm open. I'm down. <laughs> I don't know if that means that the game is necessarily going to be longer, although I would kind of think that it would be. But anyway, 50% more Somniums. Was not expecting that. So, that's, that's it for news. <laughs> um, I kind of want to get through it so that we can end up talking about Kingdom Hearts since that is going to be the bulk of this episode and I don't know how long it will take. Um, and also, there just wasn't much news. So, let's briefly talk about what I've been playing. Um, so, I've been, like, up to my neck in schoolwork. I've not been able to play many games lately. Um, but I, I was able to finish Uncharted 4. It's a really great game. I really loved it. Um, if you like the Uncharted series and for some reason you haven't gone to Uncharted 4 yet, like I did for the longest time, play it. It's a great game. <laughs> um, I know I talked about it a bit last episode, but um, I think it really is my favorite Uncharted game out of the ones that I've played. I still have to play Lost Legacy, but I really, really loved it. Um, just gameplay wise, it's like the visuals are stunning. The story is great. It's, a, it's just a fun game. Go play it if you haven't go do it. But other than that, um, 
So Chocobo GP, the game that I've been looking forward to for months now. <laughs> um, Chocobo GP came out uh, yesterday? No, two days ago. Uh, yeah, two days ago. It came out two days ago. And I've been playing it a bit. I've been dabbling in it. I mean, I say I've been dabbling in it. I played quite a bit of it. I put a few hours into it, I would say, so far. And I like it. I think that the gameplay is really fun. I think that, you know, the game is pretty cute. I like the characters. It's, it's a fun game. Um, and I don't want to get into the microtransaction stuff. I'm kind of waiting to talk about this more in detail. Um, you know, probably the next episode I want to talk a bit more in detail about Chocobo GP and my thoughts on it. Because I feel like they're still kind of forming right now. And I'm curious to see if Square Enix will change anything in response to all the backlash about the microtransactions in Chocobo GP and just like the structure of it all. So I'm kind of waiting to talk more in detail about that. But general thoughts, the game itself is fun. <laughs> um, it's just the microtransactions that kind of get to me. And I'm like, I don't mind microtransactions in games. I think that it can work. And, like, I like a lot of free-to-play mobile games. But that's the thing, is that this game plays... doesn't play like, because the gameplay is fun. But it is structured and set up like a mobile free-to-play game. When in reality, that is not what it is. And that's the biggest problem that I have with it. But, like I said, I'll talk about this more in detail probably next episode. Um, just to kind of spend more time with it and see what I really think of this sort of structure of doing things but initial thoughts is that I hope they change some things <laughs> um if you if you are curious to learn my chocobo gp thoughts I've been tweeting about it a lot as I sort of play it more so if you're another chocobo gp fan <laughs> then yeah follow me on twitter and we can talk about it but anyway so for this episode's question, because it is, this is the KH20 episode, um, I asked you guys, what does Kingdom Hearts mean to you? Because that's the whole theme of this episode, you know, we're almost 20 minutes in now, but now we're getting to the bulk of the episode, okay? <laughs> At least what I hope will be the bulk of the episode. Um, so what does Kingdom Hearts mean to you? So Jay on Twitter said, so I just finished my very first Kingdom Hearts game at nearly 30 years old for the first time last month. I guess to me it means exploring my love of RPGs further and playing another great series and connecting to even more people over a shared love of games. And I like this answer just because I, I do feel like a lot of people are getting into Kingdom Hearts for the first time like very recently. There's been this sort of like upswing of new Kingdom Hearts fans, which is awesome. Um, you love to see it because a lot of us, like me, have been here for like a very long time. <laughs> um, so it is cool to see new fans and, you know, getting into a series like Kingdom Hearts, not later in life, like 30 isn't later in life, but you know, not when you're a kid is what I'm trying to say. Because, um, you know, I got into the series when I was a kid, you know, it's Disney, it's very like kiddish or whatever. Um, I feel like that's, I, I don't know, it, it feels very wholesome, you know? <laughs> also, just going back to play a PS2 game in, like, 2022 is very wholesome as well. <laughs> Even though it's probably the PS4 remaster, but you know what I'm saying? Anyway. <laughs> so, let's go to the Discord answers. 
So, Gamer Gal Mila said, I like Kingdom Hearts because of the cute interactions between custom RPG characters and Disney worlds and its faithful adaptations of classic Disney worlds. The gameplay is also simple but fun. And yeah, like, I, like the gameplay of Kingdom Hearts is probably always going to be my favorite in a video game. <laughs> um, because, like, playing it as a kid, it was very easy to understand. Like, you know, you just hit the X button, basically, and you can use some items, you can use some magic. And so it's very simple to understand when you're a kid, or even not when you're a kid, just in general. <laughs> I, I know I'm talking a lot about, like, kids, but that's just based on my experience with the series. Um, but yeah, then, if you really want to dig deep into it, though, um, there's, like, a lot to learn about the Kingdom Hearts gameplay. Especially, you know, my experience comes mostly from Kingdom Hearts 2. Um, there's so much in there. Like, if you start to learn how to use, like, Reflect, if you want to take on the data battles or, you know, the other secret bosses, like Sephiroth, and why can I not remember? Lingering Will. I was like, Terra. It's not Terra. I mean, it is Terra. Anyway, um, Lingering Will is what I was trying to say. Like, there's stuff like that, which is also, like, a lot more complex than just hit the X button and hope for the best, <laughs> which is why I haven't done a lot of those um, secret bosses yet, but I will at some point because, like I said, I've been to this series for a long time and for some reason I still haven't done most of the secret bosses. <laughs> I'm a fake Kingdom Hearts fan, but yeah. <laughs> so, Next up, we have Tyler Tylerums, and Tyler says, To me, Kingdom Hearts is about the journey and the lengths you'll go to and for your friends. It's also about the unyielding urge to follow your heart no matter what path it leads you down. It's at the crux of every character in the series. I'll be the outlier here and say that Rechain of Memories is probably my favorite game because I like cards. My favorite scenes are ones like Axel smiting Vexen in Recom or confronting Xion in Days and then their ultimate reunion in 3. I'm just really invested in the journey of those three. And yes, oh my god. Um, definitely Seesaw Trio is one of my favorites. <laughs> I feel very passionate about them. And like 358 is definitely not one of my favorite games, but I think it's probably one of my favorite stories in the series. Um, it's it's kind of a shame that it's been just, you know, this DS game. I don't really think that the movie does it justice in, in like the story and the dialogue and the character building and like the feeling of it all. But anyway, that's for another time. <laughs> but yeah, I it's, it's very... I agree with what you said, Tyler. It's very much about following your heart. And I think that that is a very simple message, but it's a very important one. And also Axel smiting Vexen has got to be, you know, if we were making a list of the most iconic Kingdom Hearts uh, cutscenes, which I think the Spaghetti Bros are doing. <laughs> was it the Spaghetti Bros or regular Pat? I don't know. I can't remember, but I, I think it was one of them that were actually doing that. Maybe for KH20 or March Caprice? I don't remember. I think I heard it on the Answer Report podcast. But anyway, if we were going to do that, <laughs> that would be up there. But anyway. <laughs> so next up is Sean. And Sean says, I try my hardest not to talk about Kingdom Hearts online because I feel like I'm just talking in circles. So I'm going to try and say something a little different. Hopefully it's different. It's going to be long-winded. Sorry. Don't mind, Sean. This is like the entire reason for the podcast this week is just long-winded Kingdom Hearts conversations. <laughs> so Sean says, I got into Kingdom Hearts at a very young age, playing one and two on the PS2, but never making it further than the first few worlds. That is so relatable. <laughs> I'm just gonna stop right now because that was a lot of my Kingdom Hearts experience and I'll kind of talk about that 
a bit later, but like it took me a while to finish. Just in general, when I was a kid, like I would just replay the same bit of a game, the same like two hours of a game, and then I would just restart it. Like I would never progress further than that as a kid. But anyway, yeah, that's, that's very relatable. <laughs> anyway. Um, eventually, with the releases of the HD collections, I came back to the series. Birth by Sleep quickly became my favorite. Go figure. As Luke freaking Skywalker in it does some really neat stuff with the structure of its story. Then followed along pretty closely with the lead up to Kingdom Hearts 3 and didn't really join the fandom until after Kingdom Hearts 3 was out for a few months. The thing that keeps me around with Kingdom Hearts is its uniqueness, not in the way of it is Final Fantasy and Disney characters interacting, but how does a major franchise telling a story that is almost entirely one person's vision? It isn't something you see in any media today, outside of books, really. Kingdom Hearts is Nomura's epic in a time where most stories are told by committee, and I think that's neat. Even if it can lead to places where he probably goes too far. Okay, he definitely goes too far. It doesn't always work, and <laughs> I do think that the fandom tends to have a little bit of hero worship for the man, but when it does all come together, see 90% of the ending of Kingdom Hearts 3, it's fulfilling in a way that not many stories are. To me, Kingdom Hearts is Nomura, and Nomura is Kingdom Hearts. That's not to discount all the extremely hardworking people that make these games possible, but to me, Nomura is the secret part of the equation. Without him, it just wouldn't be Kingdom Hearts. Anyways, this is getting really long. I've talked about Kingdom Hearts here for much longer than I like to. So, uh, hashtag Demix is the master of masters and happy early birthday to this little funny series that we all love so much. Man, I'm trying to decide what I want to touch on first. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely agree with you. This is, this is Nomura's baby. <laughs> like, and, you know, I think a, a part of the reason why people were very excited for like Final Fantasy versus 13 was because it, it looked to be that way as well, that this was just going to be Nomura's game. This was Nomura's, like, Final Fantasy baby. Um, and that didn't exactly pan out the way that we wanted it to. But we still have Kingdom Hearts, and now Versus 13 is looking like it's going to be in Kingdom Hearts. But yeah, I definitely agree with you. It, feel, it doesn't feel... Um, it, it doesn't feel like... Like, I think if Nomura had less creative control, then Kingdom Hearts as a series might be more mainstream in the way that, you know, if you listen to a gaming podcast that isn't about Kingdom Hearts, basically, almost every time they're gonna be like, oh, Kingdom Hearts, oh, so confusing. Like, that's kind of the reputation that Kingdom Hearts gets. And I think if more people had that sort of creative input and kind of were like, okay, let's calm down, Nomura. Um, it could be more mainstream. Maybe it wouldn't be, like, laughed at as much in, like, just the gaming community. But, like, Nomura is what makes Kingdom Hearts Kingdom Hearts. And when you talk to, you know, the really hardcore Kingdom Hearts fans, that's what they like about these games. You know, it's... It, ah! <laughs> I agree with you 100%. I will say, though, Sean... <laughs> I, I, the other person that I thought of when you were talking about, you know, someone that has almost like complete creative control, you know, writing a story like it's their baby, um, I automatically thought of Uchikoshi. So here's your recommendation, everyone listening. Please play Zero Escape. Please play Aga Somnium Files because, you know, Nomura and Uchikoshi, like, I don't want to compare them. Like, they're not too similar, but like, they also are like just their brains. You know what I mean? Like their minds are like, oh my God. Only you could do that. <laughs> it's that type of feeling. And I feel like that's how some people also talk about Kojima, but I haven't played any Kojima games yet, so I can't really comment on that. But yeah, 
Also, I do think Demix is the master of masters, and I hope that he is, because I like Demix. I really do. <laughs> I hope Demix is the master of masters. I think that that would be hilarious. That would be a Namora move right there. But anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Okay, so I'm going to read V's answer, Oblivion, the wonderful Oblivion, but I might struggle a bit <laughs> because... Uh, she had to send screenshots because, like, the message wouldn't send in Discord and the screenshots are, like, kind of small. So, and, um, I wear glasses and I can't read, but I'll try my best. So, if I am stopping and starting and struggling, that that is why. The font is very small <laughs> for this specific answer, at least the first few parts of it. So, let's get started. So, V says, I have no legit, short, or coherent way to explain everything about Kingdom Hearts and myself, so I'm sorry in advance for all the chaos. So V says, I got into Kingdom Hearts in the weirdest way possible. I got recoded as a gift from my cousins who were one of those Disney families TM when I was in middle school and going through my anime weeb phase. They apparently found it being sold at Disney World. I don't remember much of me playing recoded except that I was confused <laughs> yet intrigued enough to Google more. Um, in turn, it led me to learning about Kingdom Hearts 3D coming out soon buying it on launch day, and in the meantime, search about Kingdom Hearts Online. I spent a lot of time reading wikis and watching YouTube content to get a grasp on the story better, especially since I didn't have a PlayStation and thought I could never play 1 and 2. I eventually got a PlayStation 3 and played the HD remixes and fell in love with the series in a more proper way from then on. But before that, in the brief time I spent with Recoded and 3D, and the guidebook for 3D, since I was so lost in Recoded and was scared of all the games <laughs> were gonna be that way, uh, one character always stood out to me way more than the others did, Namine, and after learning her story, I became even more attached to her. I have a weirdly unique family situation where despite the large number of family members, family friends, acquaintances, etc., I always felt really alone and like a black sheep. Now I'm going to go on to the second screenshot and hope that it continues from that. <laughs> I gotta find my spot. Okay, I never felt like I was wanted or belonged by certain family members, and it's nearly all of them at this point, uh, 2019 and 2020 were not kind to me in that aspect, especially since a large portion of my family lived on the other side of the country. Nobody else in my family had a broken family like I did. I always had to sit down and explain everything to everyone else, so Nominee just wanting to be in a picture she doesn't belong in, one that can't exist, and herself being a weird being that probably shouldn't exist really resonated with me. So, I also used to draw a lot in middle school, the time when I got into Kingdom Hearts, so I felt very seen. Even today, I still have trouble feeling like I belong in a friend group or anything, similarly to how Nominee is one of the main characters that doesn't have her own friends or trios. Thesis on why Nominee is the best aside, Kingdom Hearts is one of the few communities who really reflects the series well, and then in brackets, in my experience, <laughs> about making new friends, creating genuine bonds, and connecting to others. Kingdom Hearts fans are very friendly and kind, despite differing opinions a lot of the time. Very ironic that a franchise with a character so lonely that I projected on is what brought me some of my best friends, but I'm very grateful for a game that helped me show what true friendship looks like and how I can be a better friend myself. That is so wholesome. Man, I can't imagine starting this series with Rico, though. Like, that... That that has to be the worst way. <laughs> but we know that you're a real Kingdom Hearts fan because you stuck with it. Because I think if I got into issues with Recoded, I don't know if I would have stuck with it. <laughs> I fucking hate that game. But anyway, um, also, the 3D guidebook, I also have that. I have a wide collection of Kingdom Hearts, but it's fine. Um, it's a good guidebook. 
also nominee nominee is wonderful and like listen like reading i guess your story about you know why you connect so much with nominee i feel like it's one of those things that makes the series so special because i feel like everyone has like at least one kingdom hearts character that they can like really relate to um or like that resonates with them and like also you can have a few of them like <laughs> like i see myself in quite a few kingdom hearts characters sort of almost like at different points in my life if that makes sense but yeah and like I think I speak for a lot of us and, you know, I agree that, like, I was able to find so many friends as well from Kingdom Hearts. And, yeah, thank you for sharing with us, V. <laughs> so, the next answer that we have is from Mo. And Mo says, to me, it's funny, but it feels like a new series because I only got into it a few years ago and the HD collections are released on PS4. The funny reason why I actually decided to buy it, though, is because I played the demo of the 3DS game. Seeing Neku and Sora interact, even for a little bit, made me really enjoy it and want to check it out since I'm a big The World Ends With You fan. I'm also a fan of Disney movies, so I thought, why not? <laughs> Bought it and then was actually blown away by not only the crossovers with Disney characters, but the original story stuff, too. I liked re-experiencing some Disney stories with that Square Enix flavor and Sora interacting very wholesomely with everyone. I also have a funny story about the first game and that I did not realize until basically the second last world for some reason I could use different Keyblades. Oh my god, I'm gonna cut you off for a minute, okay? Because I also shared that experience. So Kingdom Hearts 2 was my first Kingdom Hearts game. And I very specifically remember, I like never like went to the menus or anything when I was a kid. And um, I remember I got stuck on the fight with Demix in Hollow Bastion. Um, I got stuck on that like second fight you have with Demix. And I was just, like, in the menus. And I was like, maybe there's, like, something here that'll help. Because clearly I hadn't thought of it before. And what I found out was that, like, oh my god, there are abilities in this game. <laughs> I can change my keyblade. I can change my equipment. And so, right after I made those changes, I was able to beat Demix. <laughs> but, um, yeah, very, very similar experience. <laughs> but anyway, to continue on what Mo was saying. Um, basically got through 80% of the game that way. In my defense, in most RPGs, you were able to buy equipment for all your characters, so when I saw you couldn't for Sora, I was just like, oh, the Keyblade is important to the story, so it won't change. Not sure how I managed to swap my other party members' weapons without noticing, though. Only realized my mistake because the amount of damage I was dealing was like nothing. <laughs> that said, I stuck around because I really like the characters, enjoy the complexity of the story. Each game really matters, and all the original characters play important roles, and there's a lot of character development for these. It's something that a lot of games struggle to do continuously, and I respect Kingdom Hearts doing so across so many generations. People moaning about the complexity when it actually makes each story moment relevant really puzzled me. Also love seeing the Rollins with you characters eventually, and how they played out in the story. Basically, great characters, great story, and a lot of wholesome moments make this a must-play series. Then, then Mo has, sorry for the long rant. No, don't worry about it, Mo. This, this question was supposed to be um, a long one. <laughs> And y'all didn't disappoint, so thank you for that. But yeah, people bitching about the complexity of the game. Like, I will say, I will defend Kingdom Hearts up until a certain point. I think 3D is probably where, you know, everything starts to go a bit downhill when it comes to trying to understand the series. But like, people will play Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts 2 and they'll be like, this convolute doesn't make sense. And I'm like, did you pay attention? Because most... Like, Kingdom Hearts, to me, at least, doesn't get confusing until Kingdom Hearts 3, and then I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But even then, if you played all the games, um, you're, you're going to have at least an idea. <laughs> you're 
at the bare minimum, kind of a vague idea of what's going on. And then our last answer here comes from Falsey, and Falsey says, To me, King of Hearts represents a hero's journey branched from those of other heroes. Much like a Lord of the Rings, where all different parties come together to fight evil. We have a consummate hero in Sora, willing to do anything and everything for his friends, and willing to put up with the nuances of evil to become a hero. We have Goofy, the one dog responsible to keep Sora focused and noted upon positives in his journey, which Sora realizes is not just his journey, it's their journey together. I think Goofy is like a... Legolas? I, I, don't, I don't know Lord of the Rings. Uh, Legolas? Legolas? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just have to laugh at myself and just pretend it's not cringy. Um, to Aragorn? Um, a friend, but also someone who is cerebral enough to forge onward with the leader. Donald is just straight up Gimli? Question mark. Um, he doesn't give a heck about what the consequences are. He just gets it done. See Kingdom Hearts 3 for that. But he becomes a solid companion to Sora after games of butting heads. It makes me think of how special friendship is and can be. And yeah, I completely agree with you, Falsey. Like, I think when we talk about, you know, Kingdom Hearts characters and, you know, the power of friendship and all that, I feel like we don't talk about, like, Sora, Donald, and Goofy enough. And maybe that's kind of changing. I feel like that has changed a bit in recent years. But, you know, in the past, you know, when I would think of, like, characters and, you know, friendships and Kingdom Hearts, I would think of, you know, Sora, Riku, Kairi, um, Axel, Roxas, Shion, like, you'd think of the trios, right? Whereas, like, Sora, Donald, and Goofy is also a trio, just because two of them are, dis are like, original Disney characters, and they are animals, does not invalidate <laughs> how important they are to the plot, and to just the entire feeling of Kingdom Hearts. Like, like I think if, you know, say, you know, actually, this is going to be very interesting because we don't know what the next Kingdom Hearts game is going to be like because Sora is all by himself. But, like, if you take Donald and Goofy away from Sora in, like, say, a mainline Kingdom Hearts game, that would give a completely different feeling. You know, even in Chain of Memories, where they're still there, but you're fighting by yourself, it has a different vibe. And, like, th their core friendship is so important to the series. And, you know, you think of, like, Kingdom Hearts 1... <laughs> when they were, like, first getting to know each other, and, like, they're fighting with each other about, like, where to go with the gummy ship, and there's, like, this whole thing in Deep Jungle where they just, like, don't want to talk to each other for a while, then obviously you have in Hollow Bastion where, like, they have to leave Sora, but then they come back to Sora because friendship, but yeah, Donald and Goofy are literally, they're, like, I don't want to say the backbone of the series, but they are definitely underappreciated when it comes to how important they are to, like, the core of Kingdom Hearts. Um, I would say they are more important than a lot of the original characters when it comes to um, that sort of feeling, if that makes sense. Okay, so <laughs> that was all of your answers. So now I'm going to talk about my experience with Kingdom Hearts. So this, God, this could be long. I don't know. I'm going to try not to make it too long, but also, yeah, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> so First thing I want to talk about how I got into Kingdom Hearts. So this is a bit of a weird story, I feel like. So when I was a kid, seven or eight years old, I don't really remember, probably like seven, I went to a friend's house, you know, a little play date. Um, I went to a friend's house and I remember when it was my, it was like time to go home. Um, her mom was like, not like kicking me out. I don't remember it that well, but I remember she was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to drive like Emmy home now. And so, you know, it was time to go home and she was getting ready to drive me home. But like my friend was like really upset and she was crying because she didn't want me to go home. <laughs> totally normal things. 
And uh, I remember her mom, this is the weirdest thing to remember, but it was like a core memory for me. I remember her mom was like, oh, like, don't worry. Like when we get home, you know, after we drop her off, uh, you can play Kingdom Hearts with your older sister. And I don't know why that's stuck in my head. I don't know why, like, a seven-year-old Emmy was, like, so interested in what this Kingdom Hearts thing was. I mean, I'd always liked video games, and, like, obviously it was a video game. Uh, but I remember just, like, you know, being in, like, the back of her van. That sounds really weird. But, like, being in her van, you know, being driven home and thinking, like, kind of imagining, like, what I thought Kingdom Hearts was, <laughs> which is really weird. And when I thought of it, um, it was not... It was not what Kingdom Hearts actually is. I don't know what I was visualizing. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so that stuck in my head for some reason. And, like, the weird thing about this was that this friend had never talked to me about Kingdom Hearts before. Like, and she never did until I got into it. Um, so I just remembered her mom, like, saying it. <laughs> anyway. So then, um, I don't know how much later this was. If it was, like, a few weeks later, a few days later, I don't really remember. Um, but I was at Walmart with my mom and, you know, looking through, like, you know, how Walmart has, I mean, they don't really do this anymore. At least I don't think they do. But they would have, you know, the big bin. Usually they have movies in there now, but back then it was video games. And they had, um, like, the PS2 bargain bin, essentially, of video games. I remember looking and I saw Kingdom Hearts. And I, obviously, I remembered what my friend's mom had said. I remembered Kingdom Hearts for some reason. It was just, like, a phrase as a title. And I was like, oh, it's it's that game that they were talking about. And I, I, I thought it looked cool. It had it had Donald and Goofy on the cover. I was like, hey, mom. <laughs> I was like, can you buy this for me? Like little seven-year-old Emmy. And she was like, yeah, you know, of course. It's like, it's a Disney game, obviously. And so I got Kingdom Hearts. And I didn't know this at the time, but it was actually Kingdom Hearts 2. <laughs> it was Kingdom Hearts 2. And I didn't know this because I did not know Roman numerals as a child. And even if I did know Roman numerals, I don't know if it would have, like, clicked. Because it's not entirely obvious that it's Kingdom Hearts 2 um, on, on the cover. Like, obviously the 2 is there, but it's... I, I don't know, I just thought it was, like, a cool logo thing, I guess. <laughs> so I didn't know it was Kingdom Hearts 2. But um, that was my first Kingdom Hearts game. And I remember, you know, playing it. I remember, you know... What? Okay. <laughs> okay, so I'm trying to, like figure out what order I want to say these things in. So, like, I remember the opening to Kingdom Hearts 2, and it's probably my favorite opening in the entire series, um, purely based off, like, nostalgia. I do think it is one of the better ones, but, like, it is... The reason why it's my favorite is purely nostalgia. Um, and just being, like, so amazed as a kid, because, like, I don't know what kind of games that y'all played growing up, um, but, like, I grew up on the PS2, but, like, the other PS2 games I'd played were, like, you know, the Crash Bandicoot series and other sort of, like, 3D platformers that are very similar to Crash, like Spy of the Dragon, Enter the Dragonfly, which, like, isn't that great, and, like, Time the Tasmanian Tiger, or what else do we have over here? DDR, that's not one of them, but, like, I just play a lot of DDR, and I still play a lot of DDR. Fucking a bunch of licensed games. We got Shrek 2 over here. We got Robots. We got Madagascar. So, like, that was my gaming experiences up until that point. It was very different than something like Kingdom Hearts. And so I remember watching the opening and being like, this is so pretty. Like, this is gorgeous. This, this is the prettiest thing I've seen in my life. You know, that whole sort of opening, I won't say AMV, but it's kind of like an AMV with like Sanctuary. You know, I remember like seeing Kyrie and being like, oh my God, she's so pretty. <laughs> 
and like just being so intrigued because like this was my first experience with Kingdom Hearts so I had no idea who these characters were and then like Donald and Goofy were there too <laughs> and like I was just like oh my god this is this is so pretty and like I also I didn't watch like anime growing up I, I did like later in life but not um before I got into Kingdom Hearts but I'd always been interested in anime I just like didn't know where to watch it and so I remember being like oh this is like it's kind of like anime and like it, just, it was so pretty and like honestly to this day the graphics of like the Kingdom Hearts CGI like PS2 openings and endings and all that they still blow me away I don't know how much it is rooted in nostalgia but like they are so pretty even now like they really amaze me and ah, uh, it's just so wonderful. So I fell in love with the opening and I remember as a kid, kind of like I talked about earlier, I would always replay that first bit of Kingdom Hearts 2 just to like rewatch the opening because it was so good. It was so pretty. And like there were times where I would literally just do that and like nothing else. It's fine. But yeah, so getting into Kingdom Hearts 2 as my first Kingdom Hearts game as a child, I didn't know who Sora was. I didn't know, I had no idea what the first game was like. Um, so to me, what really intrigued me about Kingdom Hearts 2 was Roxas and Twilight Town and Roxas's friends and just sort of the mysteries of Twilight Town, you know? I wasn't thinking really about the Disney stuff at all. Like I said, no idea who Sora was, no idea what the last game was like. And so to me, this game was really just about Roxas and being, <laughs> and being a kid that would only replay the beginning of games and not really progress much further than that. I played that opening bit of Twilight Town quite a bit and I remember, you know, as I got older and as I sort of got into the Kingdom Hearts community and fandom, people would always be like, oh, the opening to Kingdom Hearts 2 is bad. Like, it's so long and it's boring. You don't get to play as Sora. And I'd never understood that because, like, to me, that was the thing that really drew me into Kingdom Hearts was, you know, what's going on with Roxas? Who is Sora? you know, what is going on with Roxas and why is time stopping and who are these people in these black cloaks and what are nobodies? And I really love Twilight Town. I still really love Twilight Town, but I was just really invested in like Roxas's story. And I don't want to say like the paranormal aspect of it, because that might be stretching it a bit, but you know, when you do like the seven wonders of Twilight Town or, you know, you see Nomine and you're like, what the hell is going on here? There's this big mansion. And then there's the big fight with the Twilight Thorn. I remember being a kid and being like, oh my god, like, this is so cool. And so that was, like, so special to me. And so, like, I understand it a bit more now why people don't like the intro to Kingdom Hearts 2 with, like, Roxas and Twilight Town. But to me, that is probably my favorite part of Kingdom Hearts 2. Maybe not my favorite part of Kingdom Hearts 2, but it is one of my favorite parts I just, I love it so much. And that was really what got me into Kingdom Hearts was those first few hours in Twilight Town. And then, you know, I remember when, you know, the whole my summer vacation is over thing happened. I was like, whoa. Well, like, I thought that was the end of the game. <laughs> like, I was a kid. I thought that was the end of the game when that happened. Because then you see the Kingdom Hearts 2 logo. I was like, oh my god. Like, Roxas's story is over. But then, you know, you start playing as Sora. And I'm like, okay. Okay, so this is Sora, and we're Donald and Goofy. And, you know, once we got to Hollow Bastion, it was like, oh my god, there's these other cool, like, anime-like characters <laughs> that I thought were so cool. I loved Aerith. I, I, like, I thought they were all so cool. And then, you know, you get on the gummy ship, and I remember the first world that I went to was Land of Dragons. And I, this is another core memory. I don't know, I have a lot of core memories related to Kingdom Hearts, which I feel like says a lot about me. <laughs> but... I have this core memory of being a kid 
and I'd always play games in my basement, and, like, I still, I stream in my basement now, but, like, I'd always play games in the basement, and I remember I went to the Land of Dragons, and, I, like, Mulan was in the party, and I remember I went upstairs to my mom, <laughs> and I was like, Mom, you know that game that I've been playing a lot, like, Kingdom Hearts? Like, Mulan's in it, like, I'm in Mulan's world, like, I'm fighting with Mulan, and I was, I was just so amazed by it, because even though, you know, Donald and Goofy had already been in it, I didn't know that you could go to, like, Disney Worlds and shit, and so then, like, that was so cool as a kid, um, like I said, my previous gaming experiences were nothing like Kingdom Hearts, and so I feel like that's part of what makes it so special to me, is that not only is it, you know, just so important to me as a series, and, you know, all that stuff, but it really got me into gaming, and, like, boy, <laughs> has that been impactful on my life, like, I really, I don't know if I would have gotten into gaming in the same way had I not been introduced to Kingdom Hearts, because, like, I'd always played a lot of Crash Bandicoot, but I was more, like, chill about it, like, obviously I would kind of always replay Crash Bandicoot, but, like, I, was, I wasn't, like, a gamer, I guess, but, you know, getting into Kingdom Hearts really sort of pushed me down that path, <laughs> and then also being a kid, I remember I, like, told everyone in my elementary school class, my class, not my entire elementary school, but, like, everyone in my class <laughs> about Kingdom Hearts, and it was, like, all I would talk about, um, at least it felt that way, and, like, anyway, it was, I forced everyone to know what Kingdom Hearts was, and I told them all about, like, Keyblades and the Heartless and, like, all this shit. <laughs> well, I was very passionate. I remember I even, like, I would bring the instruction manuals to class. That That's very, that's a very weird thing to do as a child, is bring video game instruction manuals to class, because, like, I don't know what your elementary school is like, but we'd always have to do silent reading. So my silent reading was I would take, like, the Kingdom Hearts instruction manuals and just look at the pretty picture. <laughs> like, I just liked having them. Like, they were comforting to have. Um, and then someone stole my Kingdom Hearts 2 instruction manual, so I still don't have my Kingdom Hearts 2 instruction manual, which is very upsetting. Um, if I ever find, like, if I am ever at, like, a store and I find, like, a Kingdom Hearts 2 game and it has the instruction manual, I will buy it. Because I'm still really pissed off about that. Because I remember being like, who stole my Kingdom Hearts 2 instruction manual? And no one would fess up. But, like, I knew who it was. I knew who it was. And then I remember I had, <laughs> this is another really weird thing that I did. But I remember, you know when you could, you'd put those things in water and they'd, like, grow? Well, I had one of them, and it was a duck. I named it Demix, and I called it Demix the duck. And this was probably, like, grade three or four. And I would just keep him in my desk. <laughs> God, I... When I say that... <laughs> when I say that this series was very impactful and influential on, like, very young me. I'm serious. And oh my god, I, I didn't... Okay, so, <laughs> while I'm sharing these silly stories, uh, I didn't actually... I didn't remember to put this on the outline, but I just remembered it now. So, I don't know if you guys did this, but when we, like, graduated elementary school, we did, like, this little ceremony, and we did, like, these little awards, so everyone got their own award. You know, a lot of them... We're like, oh, like, coolest nails, because, like, I don't know, one of the girls in my class always did, like, her nails really cool, or, like, the coolest hair, because people would always, like, dye their hair, I don't know. It was, it was silly things like that, like, normal things like that, and we all, like, voted on them, and it was, like, specific to us. <laughs> and so, 12-year-old me, what my class decided 
was my award. Like, what my title was, we'll say. Was Future Kingdom Hearts Employee. And I still have the trophy somewhere in my room. Because they gave it, like, it's on a little trophy. And at the bottom, it says my name. And it says Future Kingdom Hearts Employee. And that, like, I was getting a bit older at that point. Like, I was 12 years old, okay? I was almost a teenager. <laughs> and, like, they said this in front of, like, everyone's, like, parents and family. And I'm just there, like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, that was what, that was what you guys awarded me was Future Kingdom Hearts Employee. Like, that doesn't even make fucking sense. Because, like, at that point I was older. So I was like, that doesn't even make sense. It's not even, like, Future Square Next Employee. It's Future Kingdom Hearts Employee. With, like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> My teacher didn't know any better. I guess people... It would have made sense to say, like, biggest Kingdom Hearts fan. But for some reason, they put employee there. And it, it was just very weird. <laughs> so, Square Enix, if you're hiring... Um, apparently, I'm a future Kingdom Hearts employee. <sighs> so, yeah. Everyone knew that I liked Kingdom Hearts. And that that was my thing. And... Yeah. So moving on. Um, so after I, like, I, it took me a while to finish Kingdom Hearts 2 and I played some of the other games before I even ended up finishing Kingdom Hearts 2. Um, so once I kind of realized that, you know, this was Kingdom Hearts 2, this wasn't Kingdom Hearts 1, there was an entire series of games that I didn't know about. I thought it was just this one, there's, there's other ones. Because I, at some point I went on Google and I looked at Kingdom Hearts and I was like, huh. You know, watching like YouTube AMBs or something and being like, this isn't from Kingdom Hearts 2, this isn't the game that I played. Or, you know, there was, like, official websites back in the day. They're probably still up. I don't know. But anyway, I eventually found out there was other Kingdom Hearts games. And so I got my mom to order me, like, Kingdom Hearts 1 and uh, the GBA version of Chain of Memories on eBay. And I, I, I didn't play them. I mean, I didn't play Chain of Memories that much. <laughs> I probably played about half of it. It's fine. Um, like I said, I didn't really finish games back then. I actually, I don't think I've ever finished Chain of Memories. But that's besides the point. And then I, I remember I went, so, so remember when they used to have like movie rental stores, like the blockbusters of the world? Remember when they used to be in existence? So I remember we went to like one of those types of stores one day and um, I was just browsing the video games as one does <laughs> and I saw a new Kingdom Hearts game and I was like, excuse me? Like I didn't, I didn't know about this. And I was like, mom, 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 like there's, there's a new Kingdom Hearts game. Like we... Like, what? We have to rent it. We have to rent it right now. And so, it was Rechain of Memories. <laughs> and so, we rented it. And I played it for a bit. Obviously, it was only a rental, so I wasn't able to, like, finish it. And I was also a dumb kid, so I wasn't able to finish it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, after that, we... She bought it for me on eBay probably again. Because we used eBay a lot back in the day. And honestly, eBay's kind of coming back. Because whenever I want to play, like, older games, that's where I go to. I got a lot, I got a lot of games on eBay recently. Anyway, <laughs> let's not go on that tangent. So yeah, so ever since that whole instant with Rechain of Memories and not even knowing that it existed, um, ever since then I've gotten every Kingdom Hearts game on release except for Millennium Memory. <laughs> but like 358 over two days onwards, I've gotten every game on release and they are all core memories for me. So like 358 over two days, I remember I got it after a swimming lesson one day. And I specifically remember playing the mission in Agrabah with, like, Roxas and Zigbar. And the guy just stopped playing at that point for the night because it was, like, bedtime or something. <laughs> so, like, that's a core memory. And then I remember getting birth by sleep because I remember I was, like, I was, like, Dad, like, you have to go and get me this game today. Like, you have to go 
get me the game because like you didn't really order stuff online back in the day or at least like Amazon wasn't a thing yet and so like he had to go into like the local Walmart or the local Best Buy or whatever and get me Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep and I remember it was like lunchtime at school and like <laughs> and, like he drove up to the school and I was like did you get the game and he was like yeah and he like showed it to me and I was like yes anyway and then I remember 3D came out, like, I, 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 they're all core memories for me, is receiving Kingdom Hearts games, especially Kingdom Hearts 3, because I got that a day early. Thank you, Amazon. But yeah, I've gotten every game on release since, since 358 over two days, except Melody and Memory, because I didn't like the demo that much. Um, but it's, it's fine. So. <laughs> so, I kind of already talked about this, but I have it in my notes here. Um, I didn't touch much on the Final Fantasy stuff because I didn't know it was Final Fantasy at the time. I just thought they were, like, cool anime characters. And so, like, I don't want to talk about this too much. But, like, uh, Kingdom Hearts also got me into Final Fantasy because um, I always thought Aerith was really pretty. <laughs> and I remember in, like, Jiminy's journal, you could, like, look at the character things. And it would say, like, first appearance or whatever it was. And I was like, oh, like, what's Final Fantasy? Like, that's cool. And then probably I, I didn't play them for a while because I saw they were rated T and I was a good child. So I was like, I'm, like... I'm like 10. I'm not going to play those games yet. Like I'm, I'm a pussy. But then probably when I was like 12, I got into Final Fantasy. But yeah, so Kingdom Hearts also got me into Final Fantasy, which is one of my favorite series now. So kind of talking less about the game and more about the fandom side of things. <laughs> so I remember being a kid and going on like Google Images and looking up like funny Kingdom Hearts pictures. <laughs> like, do kids still do stuff like that? I don't feel like they do. But that was one of my favorite pastimes. It's like funny Kingdom Hearts pictures. And there's a few that I still remember. They're like ingrained in my head of like Sora the Explorer. Or was like fan art of like Sora as Dora the Explorer. I don't know if any of y'all remember that. Or like Syax Puppy. Like, come on. Y'all gotta know Syx Puppy, am I right? Like, that's sort of, like, deviant art era. <laughs> and just, like, a lot of the old fan art, I feel like, is still ingrained in my brain. Um, because that was, like, my favorite pastime. Or, like, going on YouTube and looking up, like, funny Kingdom Hearts. And, like, watching Kingdom Hearts random crap videos. Or, like, where, like, it was, like, Kingdom Hearts. It was, like, Kingdom Hearts characters and, like, The Sims 2. And, like, it was a lot. <laughs> I, I, can you tell that I was chronically online as a child? That definitely didn't have any effects on me. Um, but yeah, I watched a lot of AMVs that I still, like, remember. Like, there's one... It's probably still online. It's, like, Rikulicious, where it's, like, Fergalicious. Only, though, it's, like, Riku. <laughs> or, you know, the bad boy AMVs, of course. Like, there are there were so many AMVs. And, like, you know what was one thing I really liked? Those, like, Kingdom Hearts, like, iPod videos or like Kingdom Hearts Idol videos where it would be like different characters and like what song they'd be doing so like Kyrie would always be like something like Every Time We Touch or like Girlfriend by Avril Lavigne and like Riku would always have like an emo song like In The End or like Boulevard of Broken Dreams you know <laughs> like just stupid shit like that like that is my childhood <laughs> that is my childhood right there it's just watching a lot of Kingdom Hearts AMVs. Another core memory, by the way. There was one day in elementary school where there was only, like, me and one other kid there. I think it was, like, the end of the year or something and no one was, like, coming to school anymore. So my teacher was like, you guys can just, like, go on the computers. And I remember all I did, oh my god, was watch Kingdom Hearts videos. And now that I'm remembering it, it was Kingdom Hearts Goofy Goober. Sora is a Goofy Goober. 
y'all remember that? Y'all remember those AMVs? The Goofy Goober AMVs? Oh my god, I feel like I just unlocked... I feel like I just unlocked something in my psyche that I don't know if I wanted to. But yeah, that was my childhood. Also, so I don't know how many of y'all watch Demix Time, but I have an entire section here dedicated to Demix Time. So, and I'm going to kind of explain this. So I, I started watching Demix Time probably when I was like 12 or 13. Yeah, 12. I would have been 12 or maybe even 11. I don't know. I started watching it around that time. And obviously, it's just like, oh, like, fun, like, cosplayers. The first Demix Time episode I watched was where they did the High School Musical parody, but they also have, like, the Twilight parody. It's fantastic. If y'all haven't watched Demix Time yet, treat yourself. <laughs> but yeah, I do want to briefly talk about Demix Time because it is actually very important to me in a way that almost, you know, Kingdom Hearts as a whole is very important to me. And, like, there are so many different, like, fractions and segments of that, and Demix Time is one of them. Um, that might sound kind of silly because it's not even the core game, but like, I'm going to explain it. Um, so the reason why was obviously, you know, as a kid, like you want to be a cosplayer, at least that was like how I wanted to be. I was like, oh, you know, I want to cosplay. There was a point where I was going to cosplay Marluxia when I was like 13. I'm really glad that I didn't because I feel like that would have went down really badly. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it was just like funny videos, funny Demix Time videos. And from watching them, I kind of also started to watch, like, Parley Productions' other videos. They were the people that made Demix Time. I started watching their other videos, but, like, mostly just Demix Time. And, like, they also had, like, the Sora show, stuff like that. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm going on, like, a nostalgia rant right now. But the reason why Demix Time is really important to me is not just because it's, like, formative, but really, um, th they were some of the first queer people I feel like I have seen anywhere. Like, online. TV, movie, music, like, any form of media, but even real life, like, they were the first openly queer people that I think I had ever seen, and I remember just it, it, it being so formative because I was like, oh, that's, that's, like, an option, <laughs> like, I always knew, knew what, like, different sexualities were and stuff, but, you know, being an LGBT child and not really, not really thinking about it much. And, you know, especially when I got into my teen years, because Demix time I, was still important to me by the time I was like 13, 14. And so it was very, it made me feel more comfortable with myself to see them openly be, you know, gay, be who they are, because I really hadn't seen that before. And so, you know, Demix time is also very important to me because of that. And, you know, not just Demix time, but also, you know, Kingdom Hearts is probably one of the first fandoms where I'd ever seen, you know, even, like, gay ships. So, like, Soriku was a very popular ship back in the day. And it still is. Obviously, it still is. But, like, I'm talking about back in the day. <laughs> um, and there were, like, some other queer ships in, like, the Kingdom Hearts fandom. And I feel like that was my first sort of exposure to a lot of just gay shit. <laughs> and so that was also very meaningful for me when I was younger. And, you know, I, I'm not too involved in, like, that side, like, shipping. I don't really ship anyone in Kingdom Hearts now. Um, but, like, when I was a kid, like, when I was younger, that was very important to me. And, you know, I just, I can't express enough how much Demix time means to me. And it's very, it is very silly. But, like, if y'all haven't watched Demix time, it is pop culture. Kingdom Hearts pop culture. So much so, and, like, this is probably up for debate. This is me overthinking things, but I would like to think that they referenced Demix Time in Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> because I remember playing Kingdom Hearts 3 for the first time, 
endemic sedemics time and I literally started crying like <laughs> that was like I like I obviously I, I didn't or I didn't like make demics time but it still felt so important to me when I was like 19 playing Kingdom Hearts for the first time or Kingdom Hearts 3 for the first time and just Demix saying Demix time, I was like, oh my god, like, do they know? <laughs> like, do they know what Demix time is? Do the writers know? It was, it was very surreal, I guess. And just Demix time is very important to me. Um, I'm kind of going on a rant. It's fine. But yeah, very, like, Kingdom Hearts did help me become more accepting of my queerness in a way through Demix time, but also through, you know, letter ships and stuff. But so there's that that to unpack. <laughs> so I, I just kind of, this is kind of um, sporadically in my notes. So a lot of it's kind of disjointed, but just kind of talking about my experience with Kingdom Hearts. So another thing I have here is that I unfortunately <laughs> wrote Kingdom Hearts fan fiction in grade six and passed it into my teacher. And I remember this very well. I remember I wrote it because the prompt that she gave us was to write about like a winter day like, the ideal winter day, and so it was just, like, me, Sora, Kyrie, Riku, maybe, like, Roxas, and Naminé, that was probably what it would have been, I don't remember too well, or maybe Axel, anyway, it was, like, sort of, like, that type of group of characters, and me, I was also in it, and <laughs> it was, like, Riku was, like, my boyfriend, or, like, he had a crush on me or something, I don't remember, oh, god, I like I that's and I remember there was like a snowball fight or like we made a snowman or something and I passed it in to my teacher which is like it, it was fine but like it's kind of cringy looking back on it um so actually I did write some Kingdom Hearts fanfic back in the day as well but like I did it when I was younger so like it's not online or anything now um it was never posted online it's in like little like notebooks or like like, it's written on paper, um, because when I was writing Kingdom Hearts fan fiction, I was, like, from the age of, like, nine to, like, 13, maybe 12, so, like, it's not online anywhere, but, like, I remember there was one where it was, like, self-insert organization 13 thing, where, like, we were just doing missions and shit, <laughs> and then there was one that I, I actually read a bit of it on stream, I've read a bit of it on stream before, um, where it was just, like, self-insert. It was, like, Kingdom Hearts as it is, just with me as a character added into it. So it's a bit rough. A bit rough. But, yeah, so I wrote some Kingdom Hearts fan fiction. Did some Kingdom Hearts fan art. But, like, similarly, I was a kid. Um, so it's, like, not good at all. Although, honestly, it's probably better than I could do now. Because I don't really draw anymore. But, yeah, Kingdom Hearts was my shit. And it still is. <laughs> so, kind of talking a bit more about... Uh, the Kingdom Hearts community. Um, I actually ran an Aqua fan page on Facebook when I was, I don't know, whenever I got Facebook, pretty much, I just immediately, I was like, oh, I want to, I want to find Kingdom Hearts friends. And so I made an Aqua, like, fan page. And that was fun. <laughs> so if you liked an Aqua fan page on Facebook, like, during, let's say, 2012 to 2014, it might have been me. I'm just saying, it might have been me. Um, but also, um, I was, like, really obsessed with the Kingdom Hearts wikis and, like, talking about, like, the future of Kingdom Hearts. So this was around, this was before 3D came out, actually, because I remember being on the wiki. And I remember being like, I don't know why, but I feel like Riku's gonna be a Keyblade Master and not Sora. 
like I, I wonder if that's still on the wiki somewhere i feel like it might be but it was somewhere on, like the wiki discussion things and that happened and i felt like such a girl boss when it happened <laughs> but anyway um so yeah like just kind of theorizing on the kingdom arts wikis um also being on like kingdom arts insider cage 13 kh vids oh my god <laughs> Y'all, if y'all remember the intro to KH Vids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, that was iconic. It's like all the characters and like, sorry, I'm, wrong. I'm a fool. Sadness, you're right. Like all that. <laughs> that was iconic. <laughs> I remember like downloading so many videos from KH Vids and I actually made some AMVs. Yeah, I made, I made quite a few of Kingdom Hearts AMVs using Windows Movie Maker back in the day. One of them is a Nickelback one. They're all still on YouTube. If you want to try and find them, um, you can. But they weren't, like, popular or anything. But there was a Nickelback one. And that's the only hint I will give you is that it was Nickelback. But there were, like, other ones that I did as well. But I remember. <laughs> so, two years ago in 2019. No, wait, was that three years ago? Oh, holy shit. Oh, God. Okay, so in 2019, me and my friends actually went to go see Nickelback in concert. And when we were going, I was like, hey, guys, you might not know this. And they didn't know it. But I was like, I made a Kingdom Hearts AMV to a Nickelback song when I was, like, 11. And I showed it to them. And then when we were at the concert, they played the song that I made the AMV to. And the entire time, they were just like, why did you show us that? Because now all they could think of during the concert when they were playing that song was my stupid Kingdom Hearts AMV. And I just think that's beautiful. Anyway, um, so continuing on, just kind of with my Kingdom Hearts memories. I remember when Kingdom Hearts 3 got revealed. And I think this was actually the first time that I had seen, like, a Kingdom Hearts trailer, like, live in action, if that makes sense. Like, a lot of the time, it was just, you know, you'd see it the next day or something, because it, like, premiered at Jump Festa or something. Like, that's, what, like, kind of what happened with, like, the 3D stuff. And so, the first E3 that I watched was E3 2013. So, yeah, I was getting into gaming as a whole, and that was, I was like, hey, I'm gonna watch E3. And it was the Sony press conference, and I remember they showed off Final Fantasy Versus 13, only though now it was Versus 15, no, it was just 15, it was Final Fantasy 15. And, you know, Nomura was, he wasn't there, but they had the video playing with Nomura. He's like, here's Final Fantasy 15. And then, um, they're like, yeah, one more thing or whatever. I think that was the order of it. <laughs> I think it was 15 and then Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, but, you know, the trailer starts off where it's just, um, you know, kind of going through the past Kingdom Hearts games. Because at that point, we were like, oh, it's like the collection, you know? Because 1.5 was, I think it was about to come out. It was about to come out a few months later. And we were like, oh, oh. Oh, 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 my power just went out. <laughs> I'm back on, okay. Um, that was wild. Um, let's hope that I don't lose power. That would not be very girl boss of me. So if you're hearing a few like dings and stuff, um, that's why. My power went out and then it came right back on. Um, okay. <laughs> okay where was i so kingdom hearts 3 getting announced um so um i'm all thrown off now i'm like please don't lose the power okay we have to speed this up in case i lose power because i would not be girl boss Whew. okay so where was i i'm trying to re re like recollect myself 
so yeah, and then during the trailer where it kind of like starts going into this new style, this new graphic style during like the 3D part of it, um, you're like, oh, oh, is this a new game? What What's happening here? And then you see Sora on the beach and he like picks up the Keyblade and then you see the Kingdom Hearts 3 logo. And I remember being like 13 or 12 years, I don't know how old I was. Yeah, I would have been 13. And just like crying. <laughs> That was my first experience really, like, sobbing over Kingdom Hearts was E3 2013 when Kingdom Hearts 3 got revealed. And we're just, like, sitting at my computer sobbing once I saw the Kingdom Hearts 3 logo. So, that was fun. That was, that was a very special moment. And ever since then, I have probably sobbed over every Kingdom Hearts trailer imaginable. So many memories of watching, like, PlayStation press conferences and just seeing, like, the Square Enix logo. You hear the Square Enix ding. You're like, oh, fuck. And then you see the Disney logo and you're like, ah! Like, I'm, I'm so sorry. That probably sounded horrendous. But that, like, that's what happens. You're like, holy shit, holy shit, it's happening. And ever since then, I have sobbed over, like, every Kingdom Hearts trailer imaginable. So that's fun. Um, also, over the years, I have acquired an immense amount of Kingdom Hearts merchandise. And so, like, back in the day... Like, back when I was getting into Kingdom Hearts as, like, a child, there was, like, no Kingdom Hearts merchandise anywhere. It was, you just couldn't find it. Um, and so, like, any Kingdom Hearts stuff I got was pretty much ordered off of eBay. Or, like, there's a few of the mangas that I could get. I like the store. Or, like, the guidebooks. I had a few of them. But, like, anything else you needed to get off eBay. There was, like, no Kingdom Hearts merchandise back in the day. And so, um, some of y'all might know Bald Sora. <laughs> Some of y'all might know Bald Sora. There is, maybe I'll like post the picture of me again of like me as a 10 year old or like a nine year old or whatever receiving my Sora plushie that my mom got off eBay. Um, that Christmas, I also got a Riku and a Kyrie plushie, um, which I still, I still have all of them. Bald Sora is like iconic now because like if you, like can like lift up his hair a little bit and it looks like he's bald. So that's why we call him Bald Sora. I don't know if you don't know who Bald Sora is, but he's just a Sora plushie. He's not actually bald, but, like, I can make him bald, you know? Anyway. <laughs> um, what else? What else? I have a lot of Kingdom Hearts stuff. I have, like, a Kingdom Hearts blanket. I have all, almost all the strategy guides. Um, a lot of, like, the novels. I have, like, a Heartless plushie. I have so much Kingdom Hearts shit. It's, like, a collection at this point. Like, back in the day, you couldn't find anything. And I remember being a kid, like, always asking my mom to get me, like, one of the expensive Keyblades off of eBay that were, like, meant for cosplayers. So, like, they were very expensive Keyblades because um, they were, like, custom-made and stuff. And then, <laughs> this is a memory that I hold very dear. Um, when I was, God, how old would I have been? Maybe 18? I don't remember. I don't remember what it was, but, like, I was older. And for Christmas, <laughs> my mom got me, like, the official... Keyblade. Um, it was like the PNP one because once Kingdom Hearts 3 came out or like a bit before Kingdom Hearts 3 came out, it was like, here's all the Kingdom Hearts merchandise that you've been asking for for like 10 years. And so at that point I couldn't keep up because when I was a kid, if I saw anything Kingdom Hearts, I would like buy it on the spot. And so I'd acquired, you know, just some Kingdom Hearts stuff over the years, a few posters, a few, you know, just some stuff. But now, I can't afford to buy all the Kingdom Hearts official, like, merch that is coming out, which is unfortunate, because I would like to. Um, but it was so easy back then, and now there's so much, um, which is good. Obviously, my collection has grown quite a bit, but um, it's definitely not the same. But I was, at the age of 18, finally able to get my Keyblade that I had been wanting since I was a child. 
of course I was a bit disappointed that it wasn't like a real keyblade because like I don't know if y'all ever do this but like I, I, I still do it every now and then <laughs> I did a lot as a kid where like you put your hand out and you just like try and summon a keyblade like you just you do you know how Sora does it and you just like try but it never happens <laughs> Like, I know a lot of people, like, grew up with, like, King, not Kingdom Hearts, but, like, grew up with, like, Harry Potter, and, like, when they were a kid, they were always, like, waiting to get their letter to go to Hogwarts. Well, Kingdom Hearts is my Harry Potter, okay? Because I would always put my hand out, and I always try and summon a keyblade. I just assumed, I just assumed that it would happen at some point, but it never did. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I should be admitting that I'm, like, 22 and I'm still, like, keyblade. Um, I'm not 22 yet, but I will be in a month. It's fine. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but as I got older, um, I was still playing Kingdom Hearts all the time. Um, the HD remixes were coming out. Um, you know, I played a lot of them. I finally got to play the final mix versions, which was super cool. But, you know, they were I was replaying games for the most part that I'd already played before, just in, like, a bit of a different way. Um, and so I started getting into, you know, more game series during that time between, like, you know, 1.5 to maybe, like, 2.8-ish, kind of, like, before Kingdom Hearts 3. I started kind of getting more into gaming as a whole, you know, just outside of Kingdom Hearts. And I kind of discovered that I really like Final Fantasy. I really like Persona, Danganronpa, Zero Escape. Uh, I was getting into new stuff and that was fun. And all of those things are still things that I really enjoy to this day. Same with Kingdom Hearts. And so, you know, I, I did, I don't want to say I grew out of it for a while, but like I go in phases with pretty much everything that I enjoy. And so I was a bit out of the Kingdom Hearts phase for a while. I was playing other games. I was exploring my gaming tastes, kind of developing myself as a gamer, if that makes sense. But yeah, that was kind of like what the wait for Kingdom Hearts 3 was like. But I, I still, I always loved it. Um, it was always still like my, one of my favorite things. But yeah, I kind of expanded a bit. I, I, bl I blossomed, I bloomed, I spread my wings. Um, anyway, <laughs> so then we get to the release of Kingdom Hearts 3. And so, Kingdom Hearts 3 came out, the, like, the end of January 2019. I think it was January 29th, 2019. Maybe I'm wrong. I think that's what it was, though. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And a few months prior to Kingdom Hearts 3's release, I had gone through what I would still consider to be, like, the hardest time of my life where I was just struggling so much mentally and just, like, in general. It was a really fucking hard time for me. And so, like, I kind of associate Kingdom Hearts 3 with that a bit, um, <laughs> but not in a bad way. So I was going through a really difficult time, and I remember I got Kingdom Hearts 3 a day early. Thank you, Amazon Prime. <laughs> so I got it a day early, and I just remember playing it, and it was such a nice experience because it felt, it felt like being a kid again. It really did. Not knowing what was going to happen next and just having that childlike wonderment that, like, Kingdom Hearts does so well. And, like, oh, it was just so cool, you know, being in Twilight Town again. Obviously, it was a bit smaller, but, like, just this beautiful, this fun game. Being with these characters again and not knowing what was going to happen was so cool. Because, like, up until that point, there wasn't much new stuff. You know, you know, there was like 0 0.2, there, there was, you know, I think back cover was kind of getting, uh, yeah, back cover came out, Union Cross was just kind of getting started, but like there wasn't much new Kingdom Hearts stuff. There hadn't been a mainline 
title game since Kingdom Hearts 2, and, you know, I hadn't felt that way, but, like, playing Kingdom Hearts 3 for the first time, it really, really felt like I was that kid again that just had, I mean, I had an idea what was going on, but, like, just being amazed by, like, you know, the visuals, because it was, like, the first time playing one of these games completely different, completely different engine, it, it looked so different, it looked so beautiful, and, you know, being with these characters again, it was so incredible and it's still one of my favorite gaming experiences that I have ever had and you know Kingdom Hearts 3 like I'm not gonna lie it's not like my favorite game in the series I do have issues with it but that was such an important experience for me to have during that time where I was struggling so much where I was just like this is exactly what I needed like it brought me so much comfort it brought me so much hope and it just meant so much to me because, like, it had finally happened, you know? Like, Cameron's 3 had finally come out and it was so, it was so important. And there was so much, like, emotional payoff in Kingdom Hearts 3 where, you know, anything happens. And you're like, whoa, shit. Like, holy shit. Like, these two characters are interacting. Or, you know, one thing I'll always remember is um, kind of like what Tyler was talking about earlier with, like, the Sea Salt Trio where they have their little reunion and, like, Xion is, like, fighting with Sora and, like, she's with Saix and it, it just, I'm like, oh my god, like, this is hurting, like, this hurts me <laughs> to see, like, Xion attacking Sora and, like, crying. And then, like, Xion started crying and then, like, I'm crying and then Roxas just shows up like, like, he's god or something and, like, Axel's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then they all get to reunite, and they're all just, like, sobbing together. Like, there's so many moments like that in Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, with, like, the Birth by Sleep trio as well. But, like, the Sea Salt one is always the one that sticks out to me. There's so much emotional payoff in Kingdom Hearts 3. Where it's like, we've been waiting for this for years, and now finally everyone is okay again. Yeah, it was so good. <laughs> It's also, like, a very funny game, so, like, a Kingdom Hearts humor can be kind of, uh, sometimes. Like, I find Kingdom Hearts 2, like, there's moments where, like, they want me to laugh, but this is not funny. This is, this is not great. But, like, Kingdom Hearts 3 has so many genuinely funny moments where it's just, like, Sora, like, trying to use the gummy phone and he's just struggling. Or, you know, there's just so many, there's so many dumb things like that, like, Yidus Vanitas, or, like, Woody saying to young Xehanort that, like, nobody's ever loved you. Like, that's kind of iconic. <laughs> so, like, Kingdom Hearts 3 is just such a special game to me personally. But also, it just, like, in general, it is a very good game. Very important to me. Very formative, if you will. So, after Kingdom Hearts 3 came out, I briefly joined Kingdom Hearts Union as a co-host. So, if you've listened to Kingdom Hearts Union podcast before... Um, you might have heard me, I wasn't, I was, it was pretty short-lived that I was on there, um, but it was really enjoyable, um, very wonderful. My first podcasting experience, that helped me a lot when I was sort of developing my ideas for this podcast, it, it helped a lot, because I think, this sounds really dumb, but, like, I had no idea that podcasts used, like, outlines, and so, like, Kingdom Hearts Union, we always had an outline for it. And sometimes I wonder, like, if I had just started this podcast, would I had known to make an outline or would I just be winging it every week, every episode? 
So yeah, that experience definitely helped me get to where I am now with content creation. Very wonderful. And I met so many friends about, like, friends over the years um, because of Kingdom Hearts um, that I hold very dear to me. Like, there's just even, like, dumb things. <laughs> like, I remember I was at Disney World when I was, like, a teenager and I would always wear my Kingdom Hearts shirts when I was at Disney World. And I remember um, this girl was also wearing a Kingdom Hearts shirt. And I remember she said to me, I like your shirt. And I was like, oh my god, I like your shirt. <laughs> like, just dumb shit like that. Although I do remember when I went to Disney. Um, one time, I, they, you, you like, meet the Disney characters. I, I was going to see Peter Pan. And Peter Pan, like, talked to me about Kingdom Hearts. He was like, oh, like, how's Sora doing? And, like, shit like that. And just, like, talking to me about Kingdom Hearts. And I was, like, freaking the fuck out internally. I was like, oh my god. Peter Pan, this whoever this person is playing Peter Pan knows Kingdom Hearts and is like in Disney World talking to me as Peter Pan about Kingdom Hearts. Like it was so cool. But you know, I met a lot of people because Kingdom Hearts, mostly online, not gonna lie. But you know, <laughs> y'all are wonderful. And like, I'm, I'm very, like, I can't imagine what my life would be like without Kingdom Hearts, genuinely. I, re I really can't. Like, there are very few sort of games or series or media where I'm like, my life would be extremely different if I had not played, read, watched this, you know? But Kingdom Hearts is honestly, like, number one on that list because, like I said, it's been with me for so long and it has had such a huge impact on me. Like, you know, some other series that are like that would be like Zero Escape, Love Live, just, like, other stuff like that, but, like, Kingdom Hearts was so integral to me as a person. Like, I made that my entire personality when I was a kid. I won future Kingdom Hearts employee in grade six. So, like, you see what I'm trying to say here? <laughs> but, yeah, so, in 2021, so just last year, I started streaming on Twitch, and one of the first things I decided to stream was Kingdom Hearts because I had just wanted to share my love of this series with people, in a way that I hadn't really been able to before. Like, I've always been on Twitter. Like I said, I've been on the Kingdom Hearts Union podcast. I've done, like, fan pages. I've just, I've done, I, I've, been, I've been there. I've been in the fandom. <laughs> but, you know, being able to, like, play the games and experience them with other people was so cool. was so wonderful. And I still want to go back and, you know, play more Kingdom Hearts on my Twitch at some point. Because it was, it's really so much fun just getting to, like, fangirl over things with you guys like it is it is so much fun and like once again I got to meet so many people because of Kingdom Hearts on Twitch that I would I you know I wouldn't have met some of y'all without that so yeah I think I think that's kind of like my story with Kingdom Hearts a lot of it there's like there's like a lot of it that is like from my childhood and then there's like this gap in my teenage years where like nothing was really happening with Kingdom Hearts because we were just waiting for Kingdom Hearts 3 and then there's, like, post Kingdom Hearts 3 where it's, like, I'm back into it. And obviously it's different from when I was a kid, but, you know, it's still very important to me. And, you know, I've almost cried a few times recording this. So take that how you will. I've also, I, I cry a lot over Kingdom Hearts, I'm not gonna lie. It's honestly a miracle that I haven't yet. Like I said, I almost did. But, um, like, when I did stream Kingdom Hearts, I cried a lot. Um, it was kind of embarrassing. And I remember, I have so many memories of, like, just sobbing over Kingdom Hearts trailers. I remember one time, <laughs> it was a Kingdom Hearts 3 trailer during E3, and I was just, like, in my room watching it. And then, like, my mom opened the door, and I was sobbing, and she was like, um, 
They're like, you showed up in UK to watch three trailers. She's like, okay. She just left. But anyway, so that's my story with Kingdom Hearts. Um, I'm sure it's going to continue. I'm very excited to see, like, what is going to happen in the future because it just keeps getting more fun, you know? So, now that I've talked about my sort of more personal experiences with Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> it's a long episode. Kingdom Hearts 2 is my favorite. Um, I This is a pattern that I have noticed in pretty much any game series I play, is that the first game that I play in a series is almost always my favorite. I don't really... There's not many exceptions to that. So I think it is very heavily rooted in nostalgia. But, like, I th it would probably be my favorite anyway. But, like, there is also... that That's also a part of it. <laughs> but I also really love Kingdom Hearts 1. I think there's just something really special about Kingdom Hearts 1 that no other Kingdom Hearts game really replicates. And maybe it's just because Kingdom Hearts hadn't really found its identity yet. Um, I think Kingdom Hearts 2 is really where you start to see Kingdom Hearts being its own thing and knowing what it is and really sort of laying the groundwork for what's to come. But Kingdom Hearts 1 is, it's so cool. And there are some things where like I play it and I'm like, man, I really miss this or I wish they would do this more. You know, a lot like with like the Disney villains, like in Kingdom Hearts 1, they feel so intimidating. Whereas in future games, it's like, Maleficent is here and who cares? Like who gives a fuck about Maleficent when there's like the organization to worry about? But, like, Kingdom Hearts 1, it, it really makes you feel like being a child again. Even playing it now, I'm like, I feel like a baby. <laughs> it's just, it's so cool. And, like, if you ever play Kingdom Hearts 1, specifically on the PS2 and not the PS3, PS4 remasters, you'll know that they changed Sora's model in Kingdom Hearts 1 for, like, the remasters. And his, like, original Kingdom Hearts 1 PS2 model is so cute. Like, he has his hair's a bit darker. I feel like his head's a bit bigger. Um, like, he, he looks like a baby. And, like, he, he's so cute. <laughs> but, like, there's just something really special about Kingdom Hearts 1. Like, not to um, say what everyone else says, but it's very simple and clean, if you will. <laughs> I feel like that's my sign to stop talking about Kingdom Hearts 1. So I also want to talk a bit about some of my favorite characters. So my favorite character is Zigbar. At least he is right now. My favorite Kingdom Hearts characters kind of change a bit. But right now my favorite character is definitely Zigbar. He is very sexy. Um, he is a great villain. He is very mysterious. I love him. Very wonderful. I always liked Zigbar. Even as a kid I was like, this dude's cool. But then as I got older it um, developed more into a crush unfortunately because I know that's man that that's man I know that man just like smells like cigarettes and he's probably like really greasy and disgusting but he's my favorite character <laughs> but like through the years like when I was a kid I really liked Sora more so when I was like a teenager I really loved Riku um I, I love Kyrie, Roxas, Shion, Axel, Aqua like I have loved every Kingdom Hearts character very deeply at some point <laughs> It's like, there's, there's just so much to like. I think Riku is one that stands out to a lot of people, and, like, rightfully so. I think he is objectively the best character in the series, um, just because of, like, the character development arcs that he goes through. I think it's, like, very relatable to a lot of people of, like, struggling with your own darkness and kind of overcoming that. It's very, like, it's a very hopeful character arc in a way, 
because I think we all know what it's like to struggle and to be like, mm, I feel kind of stuck in this, um, but he really overcomes it. And I think that just resonates with a lot of people. And then you have characters like Sora that are just so wholesome and just so loving and selfless. And you have Kyrie. She's so cute. I love her so much. The more you better treat Kyrie better because I'm starting to get pissed off. But like, I love her. <laughs> Then you have characters like Roxas and Shion, where, you know, I personally, I find I really relate to them in that, you know, they're kind of struggling to figure out who they are and, you know, why they're even here and just like trying to find a place where they belong. Um, I think that that also really resonates with a lot of people, myself included. You have characters like Axel that are like fan favorites because like he's funny, <laughs> like He's just a fun character to be around. Like Tyler said earlier, like there's just that scene in Rechain of Memories where he just like lights Vexen on fire. It's like, oh, this is fine. <laughs> like, yeah, Axel's very likable. Also, like V was saying earlier, Naminé is very great. There's so many characters. I really like the organization. If y'all know me, y'all know that I really like the organization. I think they are so cool. And I'm like, I'm hopeful that we're going to see more of them in the future. Um, I really like Syx. I obviously like Zigbar and Axel, um, Roxas and Shion. Like, Xemnas is also really cool. Probably won't see him in the future. <laughs> but, like, I think he's one of the best villains in Kingdom Hearts for sure. Although Ansem is also very good. You know, oddly enough, I think Xehanort is my least favorite. <laughs> young Xehanort specifically. I'm a young Xehanort hater and I will stand by that. I fucking hate him. Um, but, like, even, like, normal Xehanort still is, like, kind of boring. But, like... Xemnas and Ansem are like 10 out of 10s. Also Lurkseen. I, I like a lot of y'all hate on Lurkseen because she's a bitch but like let her be a bitch. She is wonderful. She is great. I would let her step on me. Y'all are just mean. That's y'all are just mean. Lurkseen is wonderful. Y'all just don't like when female characters are mean. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah I really like Kingdom Hearts characters. And I kind of already talked about this a bit earlier, but, like, Twilight Town is so comforting to me. Um, Lazy Afternoons is probably my favorite song in the entire series, specifically in the Kingdom Hearts 2 version, um, but, like, the PS2 version. I find in um, the remasters, it doesn't really hit the same. They, like, I don't know, it's changed a bit too much for my liking, but the PS2 specific, that version of Lazy Afternoons is my favorite, 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 favorite. <laughs> song like ever. I also really like Kingdom Hearts 2 Dearly Beloved. There's there's a lot of good Kingdom Hearts songs but yeah Lazy Afternoons is definitely my favorite. Like the clock tower and the sunset. The whole aesthetic and vibe of Twilight Town is just so comforting and I, mm, mm, I love it so much and it's kind of a shame that we don't get to explore it as much in Kingdom Hearts 3. However maybe maybe in a future game um I really like Twilight Town but yeah I think I've talked mostly everything I want to say about Kingdom Hearts. Um, I really look forward to the future of Kingdom Hearts. I'm, like, very hopeful. I'm really curious to see what they're going to do, specifically with Zigbar and Viram Rex. Like, obviously, Zigbar is one of my favorite characters, and it looks like he's going to be playing a bigger role in the future, um, which is, like, so exciting as someone that, you know, really likes Zigbar. I'm really curious to learn more about him and just to see more of him in action because he's always come off as, like, this dude where, like, he's never really giving it 100%, but I feel like he might be in this next saga. You know what I mean? 
like, he's just kind of letting you put together the pieces and, you know, just, like, almost, I don't want to say just, like, vibing, but, like, he's kind of, like, taking it easy, whereas, you know, maybe in the next saga we'll really get to see who Zigbar really is and what he's really capable of, and that is so cool. Also, I want to know who the Master of Masters is. Is it Demix? It's probably Demix, right? I hope it's Demix. Demix is another one of my favorite characters. <laughs> also, Viram Rex, Unreality. There's a lot happening in Kingdom Hearts that I'm very excited about to see what happens next. I'm sure, you know, we're going to find out, hopefully, um, during the event in April, just what this future is going to look like. What games do we have coming up? So I am, I'm very excited for the future of this series. I have been, <laughs> I've been following this series for so long now, and I don't think that that is going to stop anytime soon because, you know, even if Kingdom Hearts games started turning complete shit and I hated them, I'd probably still play them all because it's just that important to me, you know? <laughs> like, that's just how it is. <laughs> no matter how downhill this series goes, I will probably be there, okay? Unless it's Dark Road. But other than that, um, more than anything, um, I'm looking forward to continuing this journey with you all, whether that is with, you know, the future of Kingdom Hearts, with the future of myself doing content creation that's sort of focused around Kingdom Hearts, just sharing this game with more people, talking about it. It's, it's all very important to me, and I can't imagine what my life would be like without these games, which, you know, it sounds kind of cheesy to say that about a game, but, like, Kingdom Hearts fans, you know, we're all... I feel like every Kingdom Hearts fan is like, they like this series a bit too much and I'm one of them. <laughs> but you know, whether you just played all the Kingdom Hearts games this year, if you haven't played them all yet, um, or you grew up with them like me and you played all them since release, either way, your experiences with Kingdom Hearts are, you know, so unique, but also so similar. You know what I mean? Like, we all share similar experiences in that I think these games are very important to a lot of us. They teach us these special lessons about, you know, believing in your friends and following your heart and all that stupid, silly Disney shit <laughs> that, like, it sounds really dumb to say it out loud. I'm like, friendship! But it is, it is very important and I think it really sort of connects us all with our inner child in a way, um, if you, whether you believe in that or not. But I definitely feel like this game just bring these games just give me so much comfort and love and happiness. And I know that they do for a lot of you guys too, because they are very important games. And I hope <laughs> that this series is going to continue for a very long time. I hope they milk the shit out of it because I love it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess that's it for me talking about Kingdom Hearts. It's been a very long episode, so I, I do um, apologize. <laughs> Not apologize. I think it's been a quality episode. Even though it's long, I think it's been a good episode. Um, I don't think I fucked up too much. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed recording this episode. I'm very happy with it. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. And this, if this is your first time listening and you made it this far, like, shout out to you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is my KH20 event. And I really hope that you enjoyed listening to me ramble about Kingdom Hearts for an extended amount of time. <laughs> Spaghetti Bros are also doing an event today if you're listening on the day that this comes out. So be sure to check them out. Be sure to check out all the amazing creators that are being featured for KH20. 
so many amazing people, so many friends as well. Like I said, I made a lot of friends throughout this series and a lot of them are also doing KH20 events. So be sure to check out the event schedule and also just follow the KH20 Twitter account. Um, it's, it's a fun time. I'm really happy to be celebrating this series and it's hard to believe that it's been 20 years, but at the same time, it's like the series has been with me almost all my life. So it kind of makes sense, you know? But anyway, before I get to the outro, I do want to say that podcast episode, so the next one upcoming, and also um, podcasts that are scheduled to come out in April, I don't want to say they're all going to be delayed or canceled, but just letting you guys know in advance if, you know, the next scheduled episode is not posted when it is supposed to be posted, I'm kind of up to my neck with university work. Um, actually, um, I'm a bit relaxed right now because I just finished a lot of stuff, but um, it's going to pick up again pretty quickly. This is my last semester of university, so I really I have to focus on that. So just depending on like where deadlines fall and where the podcast schedule falls, um, I don't know how consistent the podcast will be this next month-ish because I really need to focus on school. Get that shit done! <laughs> So just letting you guys know in advance that um, upcoming episodes, you know, the next two or three episodes could be delayed by a few days or just might be canceled altogether depending on what I am capable of doing because I need to prioritize school right now. But then it's going to be over and I'm going to be very happy. So yeah, just letting you guys know a bit in advance because I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. <laughs> but anyway... Thank you so, so much for listening to Luna's Galaxy Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot to me. And I'll be back hopefully on Tuesday, March 29th for the next episode where we'll be discussing who knows what. Um, actually, I do have an idea of what I want to talk about for the next episode, even if it doesn't land on the March 29th. Um, hopefully we're going to talk about um, 3DS games. Um, so if you want to pick up any before the eShop closes. So that's probably what we'll be talking about next episode. But anyway, um, if you want to be a part of the Luna's Galaxy community, you can join our Discord server. The link is in the description of this episode. And you can also keep up with me on Twitter, Instagram, or Twitch, where I'm at EmmyLunaGames. I hope you all have a wonderful day, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening.